Welcome to the Build Your Legal Business podcast, the place for lawyers who want to scale without burning out. I am Hannah Becko, your self-employed lawyer coach, by your side as you create the practice you dream of, reduce your working hours and change the Fianna mindset to successful lawyerpreneur. Enjoy the episode. episode is sponsored by my workshop, Essential Skills for Consultant Solicitors. In this workshop, we look at the three beliefs that might be holding you back from building the business that you really want, and the five mistakes that are commonly made when we're practicing as consultant solicitors that make things a lot harder for us than they need to be. If you'd like to find out more about this workshop, then have a look at the show notes or you can find it on Eventbrite under Essential Skills for Consultant Solicitors. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Vanessa Yagati. Vanessa and I have some wonderful conversations and I'm really glad that we've connected over the last year or so. So Vanessa is the True Worth expert. She's the author of Amazon bestseller True Worth and a keynote speaker. And it's wonderful to have you join us today, Vanessa. Come and tell everybody a little bit more about you. Good afternoon. Thank you, Hannah. Am I allowed to say afternoon? I suppose it doesn't really matter, does it? Because obviously when somebody listens to it, it'll be whatever time it is. But that just seemed normal. So yes, so I help professionals, could be legal professionals and others, be able to take charge of their business and their clients, um, get paid what they're worth working with the right clients. So that's it really in a, in a nutshell, what I do. And it's so important for lawyers, but we're going to come on to that today, definitely. But how did you, something I've always wanted to know, because in our various discussions, I don't think I've ever asked you this. How do you become the true worth expert? How indeed. Now, even I didn't know that's what I was going to do. So how would anybody else possibly no. So look, I was already coaching professionals around mindset stuff. And there was something buzzing in the back of my mind, saying there's something else, but I didn't know what the something else was. But um, when you pay attention to that subconscious mind, you know, somehow or another, it leads you to places and it gives you more information. And so I was obviously looking for inspiration, because I was aware of this something that I didn't know what it was. And I stumbled across a marketing program for coaches and they said, do you have to have a niche? And I thought, well, I've heard about this niching thing, but I had no idea what my niche was, uh, nor indeed how to create a niche. So after a lot of trepidation and fear and all the rest of it, I signed up on that program that's going back to 2013. And um, on one of the first workshops, they asked us some questions or a question, and I can't remember what it was. And I scribbled down my answers. And among the answers that I'd written down, I can't remember any of the others either now, was this subject of value or worth. And I had no idea how it had got there. But they said, that is marketable. And I said, you're the experts. Literally, I'm taking a leap of faith. So off I went networking again. And who do you find networking? Lawyers and accountants, lots of them in abundance. And I found out very quickly that, you know, this undercharging and discounting and over-servicing were really commonplace problems amongst experienced, capable, good lawyers, accountants and other professionals. So 
then okay, there is another bit to the story which is important. So literally I followed what I'd been told and I, I guess I probably followed my heart. And um, then I looked at clients that I'd been working with in the past and also at the time and I discovered I'd been helping some of them around the charging thing because I was working on mindset, confidence and all of that stuff. Not surprising that that was in the mix, but I hadn't really paid attention to the fact that that was going on. So that was another useful bit of information. But it's the final bit. Keep you on the edge of your seat. It's the final bit that really um, meant that I was supposed to be doing this. And that is I decided to shine the spotlight on myself. And I discovered that I was hopeless, clueless about charging. And so because I was embarrassed, like so many people are embarrassed talking about money, didn't understand my value, so on and so forth. And so at that moment, it was like an aha moment. I thought, oh, so when that niggle was going on, that means that my subconscious mind knew that there was this thing I was supposed to be doing. And of course, the reason I was supposed to be doing it was to sort my own problem out. And who better to teach somebody else than somebody who's had the problem and sorted it out? And I had it in spades because, you know, I really didn't come from a corporate background. So I didn't really have, I'd never had any sales training. So a sales meeting to me, I had no clue of it, what to do. Add all that embarrassment and self-worth stuff going on. And that was somebody who, well, I'll just tell you very quickly before you ask another question. <laughs> you can, it just means you can relax, doesn't it? Sales meeting, right? So I'd, somebody would contact me with a problem. They'd be telling me their problems and I'd be trying to solve the problem there in the sales meeting. I'd be giving them all this stuff because I was so clueless and I was just so driven by my heart and wanting to help. And then there, there was an awareness that I was going to have to talk about money at some point, but there was like creeping death going on. I couldn't stand the thought of having to talk about it. So I probably elongated meetings beyond, beyond what they needed to be. And then when I finally got the courage up to say something about what I charged, it was some paltry hourly rate. And then I'd carry on talking because I was so scared of rejection. And that is not an exaggeration. That's exactly how... Um, it was. And so there was a lot of work for me to do, as you can imagine, for me to get out of that into a place where I can talk with people eloquently and also explain what I do and then talk about money without dying or wanting to just be sucked into the floor or something. So there you are. You've got it. No, no holds barred, Vanessa Ugetti. Oh, it's fantastic. So I know you mentioned in there that, you know, you work with a number of different professionals, accountants, lawyers and things. But what do you see as the most common issue for lawyers specifically around charging their worth? Are we talking about employed or unemployed? Not unemployed, self-employed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, let's do both first and then we'll look at the specific, perhaps additional challenges for self-employed ones. But as a as a profession generally, or maybe as a as a common mindset, which I know is a very big generalization to say all lawyers, you know, have the same mindset, but there are a lot of very similar traits with lawyers that, that we see a lot of, you know, to throw some simple ones out there, the perfectionist, the people pleaser, yeah. all those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, what do you see in your line of work, more specifically in relation to their charging or valuing their time or their service that lawyers tend to commonly display? Well, I think that you've got 
the culture of law anyway, in that, you know, in the past, people didn't really talk about money. So there's that whole issue of the money isn't very nice thing going on, which is, you know, historic from, from how it used to be. And of course, it's still going on with a lot of people. So there's, there's definitely that going on. There's also the fact that um, everything that is recorded in terms of time, it's all done in features. It's not done in benefits. It's, you know, I wrote this email or I had this phone call or whatever. It's of no interest to anybody other than the lawyer in terms of recording their time. So they're used to thinking in terms of time and features rather than benefits and results. So the focus that they tend to have then is talking about their fees, not talking about value, talking about prices, not talking about value. So if you're talking about prices, you're not talking about value. You're always, there's always going to be discomfort around it because you haven't gone through a process of understanding your own value. And so if you're going to talk about a fee, there's always going to be a worry it's going to be rejected or you don't feel confident in talking about it because it seems like a lot. That's one of the things I hear all the time. Oh, it's a lot to charge. I wouldn't want to pay that. You know, I've had that said to me by lawyers. I wouldn't want to pay that. So if they've got that mindset of I wouldn't want to pay that, how confident are they going to be in saying their prices to their clients? answer not very so they don't get trained in it unless they meet somebody like me they don't get trained in it um, they don't operate around that they they come from a position of pricing rather than value um, if they're employed they don't often have a business mindset if they're self-employed it's more personal it's even more personal so it's challenging and if they're employed, somebody else is imposing their charge-out rate on them. And if they're not confident in their charge-out rate, they're going to discount and over-service because it's automatic behaviour to make themselves feel better. And I think that's a, that's a real challenge. And they don't understand um, why their charge-out rate is that. So if they get promoted from associate to senior associate or whatever, then their rate goes up and it might be quite significant. But there's nothing that enables them to go from charging that to that from one day to the next emotionally. And what I find, so, you know, if you come across law firms who really want to do something about this, then you know where to send them. Because I think what people do is they get pricing training. And pricing training is all about pricing models, the different models. And I'm no expert in that. But it doesn't actually address the key thing of what I call the monkey mind, as you well know. The, the nonsense that's going on in the person's head that makes them feel fearful and then causes them to behave in a certain way, which might seem to be rational, irrational to a rational person, but to an emotional person is perfectly normal. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. And that's what the monkey mind is saying. That's too much. That's too expensive. Better discount because then you'll be safe. You know, because that monkey mind doesn't know the difference between something that's a real danger and something that's imagined. So 
does that answer that question do you think have I missed anything out well no no I think it does and I'm really glad you came on to the to the monkey mind as you call it um because it's something I I talk about a lot in in my sort of coaching and training work because it's this sort of idea that you know as as silly as it might sound our brains haven't changed that much since we were cave people and so our natural reactions that we had to survive are still there in our brain You, you touched on it it's without realizing we think we're just giving a quote or giving a price but to our brain it's about survival and you you touched on that didn't you that it's so scary to say to put out the price and then maybe the client will reject it because what does the monkey mind say about that self or rejection that means certain death Mm. that means death because if you if you go back to the caveman days and um you, you were thrown out of the tribe then you were dead you had to conform, you had to fit in, you know, there's, and all that sort of conditioning, you know, I just wonder myself, it's quite fascinating how far back it goes, you know, in terms of through our genes, have we got all this stuff within us? So we're born, well, actually, you know, I say that the, um, we're hardwired for fear anyway to protect us. So it's natural. And for some people, certain types of people who are, particularly sensitive types, it's more exaggerated. Me being one of them, this is why I do what I do, because I understand what it's like internally to have those major fears that might feel stronger than they do for other people. So some people it's it's there, but it's not quite the same level. And it's that level. So if it's really screaming, God, no way am I doing that. The person won't do it. So pricing training ain't going to fix that, folks. It's got, you've got to deal with that stuff in the head. And of course, law firms don't really know about this stuff. They really don't. No, no, they don't. And I suppose what what many firms are doing is they're perpetuating what's gone on before. So just as you said, you know, they're perpetuating their, well, this is a fixed fee for this type of work, or it's a charge out hourly rate. And this is how much time you spent, you know, this is how many emails you've sent, this is how many phone calls, this is how many documents. So even firms, you know, none of us have been taught to price on a value basis. No, 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 because it's all set up with, you know, I, I understand it's really difficult for people to just say, well, I'm suddenly going to do everything on value because actually that is difficult because you're still having to spend time doing things. The challenge is that, you know, that something which doesn't take very long but has massive value, if it's being charged on the hourly rate, you'll be stitching yourself up every time. But there are other jobs that take a lot of time which have much less value then if you did it on value, you'd, you'd stitch yourself up. So it's about choosing different ways, isn't it? But they're so caught up in doing things a certain way that, that it's, you know, they've got to be willing and open to change a mindset to be able to get different results. I've been talking or emailing a couple of people today to try and get meetings with them. They're, they're all telling me they're flat out. And I think you should be talking to me if you're flat out, because if you're flat out, something's wrong. Yes. Yeah. Why are you constantly flat out? You've been flat out for weeks, months. You know, what are you doing? That's nuts. Something is wrong if you're flat out. Mm. You know, they just keep going on that hamster wheel going round and round. Something is wrong. Yeah. 
No, no, absolutely. In fact, interestingly, I know you've been one of our first um, speakers in my Lawyers Business Mastermind group, and that is one of the issues that the members all have in common, that they've got too much work and not enough time for themselves, even though they've set up their own businesses and this was their, you know, their dream. And it is, it's a question of, you know, are you going to charge more or are you going to delegate more? Mm. And that's the thing, as you say, without addressing it, you're always going to stay flat Mm. out. Yeah. I find it quite extraordinary. And but when it's a firm, not just an you know, one person, when it's a whole firm that's saying that's how they are, and this is sort of higher echelons, I think this is also the problem that they have is that, you know, in traditional firms, even the partners have got the problems of charging. So if they've got it themselves going on, how are they going to teach their more junior staff to be really good at it? Mm. And the answer is they're not. So they're still scratching their heads a lot of the time, thinking, I don't know what to do. The other challenge, and this is, you know, I just say things as they are, that I have noticed about law firms is that they will, when they're they're buying, the first thing they ask is, what do you charge? Wrong question. Wrong question. Why are you asking what somebody charges when you don't even know what they're supplying? because you're making up what they're supplying. You know, if you're, if you're buying widgets or something, maybe you can ask that question. But if you're buying training or something of that nature, why would you just say, what do you charge when you don't know what the person delivers? So their, their mindset is wrong when they're buying, so it's wrong when they're selling. Yeah, you heard it here, folks. (laughs) That's very interesting. So what additional challenges do you think that self-employed lawyers or legal business owners might have to to the traditional law firm models? Well, if they're working more or less on their own and they're, they're selling themselves, I don't know if I said that in the previous, but I might have done. If they're selling themselves, they've got to then work out their own charge out rate. The question is, will they work it out correctly? You know, or will they make it lower because they're working from home, because they haven't got, you know, they, they're not this big firm. You know, they forget to think about their, their, their true value, which hasn't actually changed if they were employed and then they've moved to self-employed. Then they've got to also learn a lot of stuff, a lot of business stuff, because if they were in a, biggish firm and then they've moved to work on their own even if they're under in a challenger law firm like um, Gadda Cook then they've still got to learn business and it's very personal when it's yourself isn't it yes it's more personal than when you're within an organization and you can always blame the organization saying well that's what you know that's what I've been told my charge out rate is and that person doesn't have a lot of flexibility So I think that's the additional challenge for people. They've got to decide what their charge out rate is and make sure that they're not doing the discounting and not not see it as being personal and not devalue themselves because they happen to be a small business. And then I suppose the other thing is that they haven't got colleagues around necessarily that they can ask questions of. 
Yes, that's true. So they haven't got that direct comparison. But no, I, I love the point you made that, um, and I've seen this so much, um, and was almost guilty of it myself when I started out sort of nine years ago, that you think, well, okay, I've left big law firm, and now I'm on my own in this business. So I can charge less, you know, I yeah. can sell myself to clients on the basis that look, you know, come away from that law firm and, and come to me, because yes, I can provide you with the personal service, etc. And I can be more flexible on my fees but it's only in recent years that I've, I've obviously completely stopped doing that but also realized just how wrong that is because the value that you can provide when you're not part of a large law firm and that sort of system and, and in some respects hampered by that system is so much more and of course your experience grows with every year that you work mm. as a business owner too I mean I've, I've certainly realized with my clients they notice the added value that you can give as a lawyer to their legal matters because you're a business owner as well and mm. I think we automatically discount that mm. Mm. lots of things are automatically discounted I mean that is just the way it is because again it's back to the mind and what the mind is saying and whether that what the mind is saying is actually rational or not. And so often it's not because it's coming from that place of worthiness or self-worth or, you know, and if people are modest people, and a lot of people are, or certainly anybody who has a problem with charging is a modest person. So that modesty doesn't allow them to say, I'm bloody good at what I do and I deserve to charge this. And that's a fact, isn't it? it? It is a fact, actually. And it's something I see with a lot of lawyers is this issue of self-worth. I mean, that's where almost the perfectionism, the people pleasing, all these traits that I mentioned earlier come from. Mm. It's, it's sometimes they do have quite a low self-worth and it's tied up in their chargeable hours and what they're charging. And even if they've moved from, you know, traditional law firm to, to their own business, getting people to, to get out of that mindset of charging by the hour of, of even time recording, even when they don't have to, just because they're so used to it is hard. Mm, yeah, it's not easy. I mean, that, that's it. People are caught up in their, their patterns of behavior, their habits of behavior, and they're not going to just change that overnight. And it's actually being aware of the fact that they are in habits. And because I know just in general, not, not lawyers in particular, but people will say, well, that's the way I am. And I say, no, that's where you think you are. And that's the difference. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent point. I always say realisation's half the battle because once we've realised something, we're, we're going to look to change it. So you, you're spot on there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know, you know, the blind spots that we all have, we don't know. And if somebody's very sort of stuck in their ways, um, they don't even envisage the possibility of change, then they probably won't. Yeah, yeah. There was just one one final point I wanted to, to mention with you, which is, again, going back to the, the difference between being employed and it being your own legal business, was going back to the fear that we talked about towards the beginning. So even employed lawyers who would get a salary every month are fearful of, if I put this quote out there and the client rejects it, therefore I lose the client, lose the work, you know, all the catastrophic thinking we do. Once you're self-employed and, you know, that income is your bread and butter and it's whether you can pay the mortgage this month, et cetera, you know, that fear is, is even more so. Yeah. Um, do you see that as an issue and... What, yeah, what of course it, it can be. I suppose it depends on 
how much work people have, doesn't it? And where they're at in terms of their, their charging. But yes, of course, that can play on their mind um, if they're self-employed, because clearly it's going to impact on their, their income. But it's never, ever helpful, in my opinion, to make decisions on fear, based on fear. It's never helpful to do that. So why would somebody want to do that? Well, again, it's back to the monkey mind trying to keep you safe and saying, look, you know, um, don't lose that piece of work. You better discount the fees because then you'll get it. Doesn't mean to say you will. And it's just wrong thinking or wonky thinking or stinking thinking, whatever you like to call it, you know. And, and, and that's it. It's being able to recognise that that's what's going on and be willing to stick to your guns. Because ultimately, I think that when a person is in charge of their business and they're working with the right clients and they come across well because they understand their own worth, then clients will want to work with them because they feel that, they see that. And so therefore they want to work with them because they trust them because it isn't all about the money. Everybody thinks it's all about the price. Of course it's not. That's only one aspect, isn't it, of the whole selling thing. But when the focus is all on the price, because they don't really explain the value of what they do to their clients or communicate that, then it will become all about price because they'll be just going, oh, Joe Bloggs down the road does it for less than you. And then, you know, well, either they drop their price or the other one goes to Joe Bloggs. But it's because they haven't actually communicated why they're charging that and made the client feel, actually, I'd rather go with you because I feel more confident in what you're saying. And that's what I do. I help people understand their value and be confident in explaining why they charge what they charge and being selective in who they work with. Not this just do anything, you know, hunting the prairie thing, which is definitely something that I've heard before. I've, I've seen that over the years definitely and probably been guilty of it myself a time or two in the past as well um so would you say as a sort of final you know big 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 takeaway big lesson if you like from today's episode would it be that people need to identify that uh, that stinking thinking as you called it definitely Definitely. You need to understand your value. And that is, a, that is some, uh, some work in itself doing that because you've got to shift your mind away from price into value. And yes, you've got to identify where you've got that thing saying, oh, I can't possibly charge. That's a lot to charge. How can I justify those fees or whatever the expression is that comes out of um, your head into your conscious mind or out of your unconscious mind into your conscious mind and place an area hell. Because it's miserable, isn't it, when that's going on? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was fantastic, Vanessa. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me.